The best hockey team in the world stumbles, trying to win their 11th straight. They drop one to the Edmonton Oilers and the best player in the world, Connor McDavid. We're going to take an in-depth look at, plus we'll check in on the Celtics with their head coach, Joe Mazzula. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. Well, the Bruins do not lose often. They do not blow two-goal leads often, but both happened in a contest against the Edmonton Oilers inside the TD Garden on Thursday night. This was... A heavily anticipated matchup, at least on my end, where you have the best player in the world versus the best team in the world. And it looked like this was going to be the Boston Bruins' night. They jumped out to a 2-0 lead, but had a goal waved off and a beautiful shot by David Krejci. The Bruins were offside on that play. And David Pasternak scored just before the final buzzer of the first period. The Bruins were up 2-0, but the lead started to slowly slip away. This is the Bruins were unable to add a third goal in the second or third period to play. Second period was okay for the Bruins. First was really good. Third, not great at all. And the Bruins ended up losing 3-2 to the Edmonton Oilers, despite the fact that the Bruins did not surrender a single point to Connor McDavid, who's averaging just under two points per game at 124 on the season. We're going to take a look at McDavid with some of the folks that know him best and one of the other best players in the NHL, David Posternock, in just a little bit. But first, let's go inside this Bruins loss and see what can be learned from a team that had won 10 in a row but lost the Edmonton Oilers 3-2 on Thursday inside the TD Garden. We'll start with Brad Marchand. Brad, it looked like you guys were in a good place after the first period. What happened after that? Yeah, I actually thought we had a good second. Um, we kind of controlled the play in the second. They, You know, they got a goal on a on a lucky play there, um, but and then you know in the third we just didn't play our game at all, um, you know and and uh, you know the goals we got we kind of shut ourselves in the foot, so uncharacteristic of us, but uh, you know one we can learn from. Why do you think you guys got a little bit more passive as you mentioned in in the third? And obviously this team doesn't have many negative trends, but is that one of the ones that you guys have when you're not you know, getting the puck to the back post, getting down deep? Oh, I mean they're a good team. Um, you know they got two of the best players in the world over there, and, and they, you know they added some depth and came us back. So um, you know they're not going to roll over. They did a good job of pushing back, and, and again, you know, just, we just what they got, we kind of gave them. Um, you know I don't think they they dominated the, the period or anything like that. So definitely, you know we we, we had it and it was in our hands, and, and uh, we dropped the ball. Here is Bruins captain Patrice Bergeron. Bergie, obviously this team's not too used to losing games and are up by two goals. What happened you know, more in the third than perhaps in the second? Yeah, I think it's in the third where we we got back on our heels, didn't play our game, and, you know, they took it to us. So um, I thought the first 40 wasn't, you know, it wasn't perfect, but we still, you know, um, had some good control of the game, and uh, we were up by one, and I think that's that's where we... We've had success all year, so obviously we're we're not happy with that uh, that third. But um, you know, got to learn from from that. You know, I thought we got on our heels. We we uh, didn't deny their speed, and we they took it to us. This team obviously doesn't have many flaws, but when it comes to getting a little bit passive in the offensive zone, not looking for the back post, not getting to the net, like is that one of the things that you look at as being a potential you know thing that needs to correct? I think there's a lot of things we need to correct, not just that. I think, you know, that's what we've been trying to work work on all year and, you know, we've never been satisfied. I think that's that's um that's been part of our um DNA I guess all year and um yeah, I, I have to agree, you know. Uh, a lot of outside shots, a lot of outside uh chances and 
um, you know, I thought in the second we had some good looks. Um, but that being said, you know, uh, <clears throat> there's always things to improve. And obviously, our D zone, our neutral zone, you know, um, there's a lot of things, a lot of areas that not just tonight, but we've, we've want to work on all year and um, continue to do that. And, um, you know, obviously it's, uh, you know, we've talked about um, learning throughout the year. And I think that's another learning curve for us uh, today. Now, Bruins winger David Pasternak, who has 45 goals now on the season. You feel like you guys let off the gas a little bit once you, you know, were up to nothing, and particularly in the third period. Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, we had plenty of rest. You know, uh, it's obviously a big make a big difference. Um, if you play every other day, you are in the game tempo or or stuff. But you know, uh, it was same uh, besides one or one or two days it was same for them you know but we just you know weren't as fast as usually we were but um, you know at the same time this rest uh, helps a lot you know moving forward it might not feel great uh, like tonight but you know I'm pretty sure moving forward we uh, would be happy we had those four days. When this game when this team gets off its game offensively what's what are some of the things that you notice where you're not you know getting to where you want to get on the ice or getting the puck to the back post and did you see that in the third uh, I mean what I recognize is like you know they they're really big on the uh, ozone possession you know they um, kind of want to tire you off in the ozone and and just skating around with the puck and you know uh, it's obviously uh, you know sucks for defensive team to to be just, you know, running around, but at the same time you can play it smart and, you know, just kind of st- stay in the house and, and wait uh, for them to, to come to you. But, um, yeah, they, you know, they have a uh, best player in the world, you know, and and uh, so 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 is Leon, you know, right there. So uh, they have a, you know, great team. And, you know, I always said uh, they're big on, I would say, ozone position. More from David Pasternak in on the Bruins in just a little bit. Let's check base with the Celtics first, though. Celtics had lost three games in a row, including losses that were pretty difficult to stomach against the Cavs, the Knicks, and most significantly, a Brooklyn Nets team that Celtics led by 28 points and doesn't have much of anything in terms of talent. As a result of that, the Celtics are now 46-21, and two and a half games back of the Milwaukee Bucks, and were in the need of a bounce-back performance. They got that against the Portland Trailblazers, on Wednesday night, I talked with Celtics head coach Joe Mazzula, head of the Celtics' big Western Conference road trip. We had a respectable approach to the game. I thought, like I said, we talked about two or three things that were important that we needed to get better at, that uh, we didn't do great in the overtime games. And uh, I thought we'd, we built an awareness to working on those. This team has obviously faced some adversity here with not getting the results that you'd wanted in the previous three games. How do you see the team responding to adversity, and is it... W- what you expected in terms of how they'd respond. Yeah, I mean, I trust the locker room. We have a lot of experienced guys. I think we have great poise. Um, I think the perspective that it's like, you know, perspective that our guys have to understand that it's not, it's the adversity that's just part of it. Like, it just happens. And um, how you handle it is more important. So I think our guys do a great job of handling it together. What are your biggest priorities through the rest of the regular season? I mean, is the first seed a big deal, or is it just how you're looking at the team playing and executing? What are your, your biggest priorities over the, the last stretch of games in the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I think you can't – the situation that we're in right now, we can't really control what seed we get from the standpoint of we can't get the number one seed um, if – you know, by things that are out of our control. So, like I said, I think it's more about the same habits that were at the beginning of the year. we got to focus on what we do well, and then can we do it for long stretches of the time? I think 
you know, there's such a small separation in the NBA of a great team to a really good team. And those come down to overtime games, possessions, end of quarters, like all those little things. So the more we just build an awareness to those, manage those, and work through those, I think that's going to help us a lot. For the Celtics, it is a 10-day, six-game road trip starting tomorrow in Atlanta against the Hawks. Back to the Boston Bruins, who are still chasing history. The Bruins have 19 games remaining. They currently have 103 points and are 49-9-5. They're on pace for the most points in NHL history. They're on the point on pace for the most wins in NHL history, but that's not necessarily something the Bruins are leaning into, as you'll hear in these conversations. We're going to start with the head coach of the Boston Bruins, Jim Montgomery. First on the additions at the trade deadline, bringing in Garnet Hathaway, Dmitry Orlov, as well as Tyler Bertuzzi, but losing Nick Foligno and Taylor Hall due to long-term injuries. Uh, well, I think both players, and now Bertuzzi's the same way, they're smart hockey players. Like, I just went over with Bert, um, you know, what, what we do with the puck, and, you know, you can just tell by the way I explain things. He's like, okay, I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, so... Um, you get good players that have high hockey intelligence. They usually assimilate pretty quick for that. With the three new players and obviously the two long-term injuries, is there any change in how this team you know, goes about winning, or is the core kind of the core? Yeah, we don't change about how we go about winning. No, um, We're going to keep believing in our process, and we're going to keep believing in playing the right way um, with the puck and without the puck. With the uh, 77 Canadians, Scotty Bowman would kind of break down the um, – the kind of weekends and, and match up where the team was versus teams in the past. Uh, is that something you plan on doing at all as you approach some of these records and as the points, you know, grow uh, compared to other teams? No, we haven't talked about, you know, what, where, what our record is and at all during the whole year. We, we talk about what we have to do to get better and uh, things that we think details and habits that give us success that game. We try not to, think big picture. I'm not as bright as Scotty Bowman, so I I can't figure out all those tests on the players. Against Buffalo, you started the the fourth line. Hathaway, obviously, is a key addition there. How much does a coach, despite what talent you may have, like having that fourth line that can go in and bang and set the tempo? Yeah, well, we're very fortunate. We've had four good lines all year, and I think I use our fourth line against anyone like uh, the last game I was fine using our fourth line in D zone starts against Thompson's line you know it's it's a luxury to have behind the bench because you can use your more so-called offensive lines in offensive zone situations and your fourth line in a defense so it's a luxury we're very very lucky to have a deep roster like we do guys can get the job done here's Bruins goaltender Linus Olmark Ahead of the trade deadline, you guys seem to think that, obviously, given what you've done this year, you had what you needed in this room. Now, after the deadline, with the three additions, what have they meant, and how have they kind of complemented the group? Um, I think that it's going to be interesting to see in, let's say, two, three weeks. So I have to get back to you on that part, but there's three great guys, great players, and we're lucky to have them here. This team is on a historic pace. Do you guys lean into that at all as you know motivation moving forward, being you know an all-time team in addition to you know the goal of winning a Stanley Cup? No, for us it's a Stanley Cup. That's the only thing. You know, it doesn't matter if you're like records are meant to be broken, but once you have the hardware, they can never be taken away from you. Now Bruins center Charlie Coyle. 
The three additions, do you have a sense for what they're going to mean for this group? Or Lena said basically I'll check back with me, and I think it was three weeks, and I'll, I'll tell you what they mean, how important they are. Can you say, sense that early, or do you need time to get a sense for what they're going to mean? And we know what the kind of players they were elsewhere. Um, you know, uh, Orlov and Hathaway, they, they've come in and already seems right. I mean, we don't know early on the score sheet he's been, but it's not just points for him. He's been he's been playing great hockey and stepping up and uh, making big plays and leading transition, making good first passes. And we all know what Garney brings with his his relentless work ethic and how he works. And he's he just plays a rugged type of style, and that's what you need going down the stretch in the playoffs. And Bertuzzi here cashing in right away and. Yeah, it's a tough game to play after, you know, probably a few days off of skating and all that and new team, new system and a lot of thinking. So I think they're only going to get better as they get acclimated here, but they're already making strides and contributing right off the bat. You guys are on historic pace, could be one of the great teams of all time. Obviously, that's regular season and also postseason. Do you lean into that at all or do you just keep doing what you're doing? I think you just got to keep your head down and keep doing what you're doing. That, that stuff takes care of itself if you do it the right way. You focus on what you need to focus on, and that's a task at hand. And if it's a practice day, focus on practice, get better. If it's a game day, making sure you, you get those two points at whatever way you can. And uh, like I said, no panic in this room no matter what the situation is. We identify the situation, and, and we make the most of it. And we know that stuff is, is, is going on, whatever. And, but we know what the end goal here is, and we can't get to that right now. So that's we want to get better, keep getting better, keep our head down, work, get the two points when we can, and... Whatever happens will happen. Bruins center Charlie Coyle right there. Bees take on the Detroit Red Wings in the first of two back-to-back games. One in Boston today at 1 p.m. And then tomorrow they're in Detroit again to take on the Red Wings. Their opponents on Thursday night was the Edmonton Oilers, as I mentioned earlier. It's much anticipated, at least on my end, uh, to see the best player in the world versus the best team in the world. Certainly the game was a good one, although McDavid was held off the score sheet by the Bruins, and that's been a tough thing uh, for anybody to do this year. Bruins held him off the score sheet but did not win. Connor McDavid, 124 points on the year. Leon Dreisaitl, actually 97, his teammate. They play together you know, sometimes when they're in need of a goal, but uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid mostly playing on two different lines this season. McDavid, 124 points on the season. You think, okay, it's maybe mostly helpers? No. 54 goals to lead the National Hockey League as well. Second is David Pasternak. And so I was interested in hearing from Pasternak on McDavid. And also, you know, how much do players who are elite watch other elite players determine, you know, what they're doing and perhaps try to get better? Here is Pasta. I mean, I have tremendous respect for him. You know, it's incredible what he's doing this year. And, you know, honestly, since he came in the league, so, uh, you know, it's it's a fun player to watch, but uh, I, I, I don't know what highlights now. What stands out to you most about him? And do you look at the other best players in the league as and kind of as contemporaries and see what, you know, what they're doing, what you're doing, et cetera? Do you compare you know, notes about particularly like off the ice type stuff? Um, you know what stands out of him is obviously the skating and the speed he gets to, and and he, you know, him making those plays in in the full speed, and um, at the same same time, you know, which is very important for a player like him to to have a head up out there, you know, and 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 he does, you know, and obviously uh, it's it's incredible to to play at such a high speed with so much skills, you know, and still keep your head up so high, you know. How I said uh, it's incredible what he has done, you know, and and. Um, 
It's a fun player to watch. Unfortunately, Connor McDavid was not made available to the media during the Oilers' time in Boston. However, I did talk with the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he is Jay Woodcroft in his first year as head coach of Edmonton about what makes Connor McDavid so good and also playing against the Bruins and hearing about how good they are and answering all those questions. How does that motivate a team? Because you know that's something that the Bruins have said all year is that they're going to get every other team's best. So from the other team's perspective across the ice, how motivated are you to play the Bruins. Here's Woodcroft. From your perspective, when you're hearing all the praise, as you mentioned, and everything else, like, is there an added incentive when you're playing the Bruins? Does the praise kind of piss off the guys in the room? Um, you know what? I would say the way we go about our business, you know, we we have a good team, and we believe in our group of people, uh, and in and in our opportunity that's before us this season. Um, I think we spend a lot of time uh, talking about tweaking our game, tightening the screws on some of the areas of our game, and that's where our focus is. We have nothing but respect for the year that the Boston Bruins are having. But in the end, tomorrow, I believe, comes down to us, um, our level of preparation, our level of execution. And if we do what we uh, know we can do, we think we have the opportunity to win the game, and uh, that's where our focus is. A lot of fans will watch Connor McDavid and yep. be amazed by what he's able to do. And from your perspective, obviously the talent is there. How does he go about maximizing the talent to achieve the consistency that he has in becoming the, the game's best player? Yeah, well, I think what most people don't get to see is the sacrifice um, involved in his life. Um, you know, from the time he wakes up in the morning to the time he goes uh, to sleep, he's driven to be the best that he can be. Uh, that involves um, thinking a lot about the game, um, preparing himself physically, um, you know, ensuring that uh, he's doing what he needs to do to evolve as a player. You know, I got that question about power plays. Um, he's very different uh, now than he was seven years ago on the power play and that's him and a credit to him finding solutions to problems uh, and I think that's what he does um, and in the end he has um, insatiable uh, desire uh, to be the best that he can be and uh, he pushes himself like no other player I've seen. Also talked with Connor McDavid's line mate Zach Hyman used to be with Toronto. Connor's an extremely humble guy. He'll never put himself in that category. But I think around the league, guys realize how good he is and kind of the gap between him and everybody else. And I think for the guys that you're referring to, the generational type players, that's kind of the same gap that there is with those guys, right? So I think uh, what Connor wants most is, is to win. And I think that's you know, that's the next step is he's got all those personal awards and he continues to push himself every single day. But, you know, as a team, we got to we got to go and, and get there for him. And he's, you know, he's been he's been driving the bus the the whole year and uh, is a huge part of where we are. What are the attributes off the ice that drive him? Obviously, we see everything that he does on the ice, but why? Well, how is he able to do what he's been able to do consistently? Uh, yeah, I train with him in the summer. I think he's, you know, if you're as talented as he is, there's, there's an element of, you know, God-given talent. But I think in order to maximize it, you have to have this, the same level of determination and, and effort. And I think he has that in spades. I think out of anybody I've trained with or worked with, he's the most dedicated and at pushing himself to be the best version of himself. And 
uh, that's why you see him progress and get better every year. So it's just, yeah, he just continues to get better because he's the one who's driving him. I'm in 29 goals himself on the year. We're going to wrap up the show with the conversation. One of my favorites, Trent Frederick. So one thing that's said continuously about this team is that you find ways to win when they're not at your best. And I'm going to kind of get into the why into that. Like, why do you think that is? Like, why is this group able to, you know, win games that maybe you shouldn't? Like, the Calgary game jumps out, like, as a game which kind of set up to, to lose. You find a way to win. The Rangers game, you guys didn't play that well through the first period. And there's other games like that as well. Why do you think you guys are able to do that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just we were a positive, positive group this year. and uh, I think we know that we can win any game any given night um so just having that thought process is probably half the battle right so i mean our goalies have played really well when we've been not playing well and you know they keep us in games and then we have special players that make stuff happen and i think it's more just the positive of like even when i don't know that calgary game we're getting outshot pretty good but we kind of i mean at least i still had the thought process and i think a lot of guys did and i wasn't playing that great and a lot of other guys weren't but just that we're still going to win. So it's just that mindset, I think. It's one of those cliches that, like, if you have good goaltending, that, you know, that gives the team confidence. Is that yeah. something that that's really, you know, true in regard to hockey? Particularly that night. Like, I think Linus had 54 saves, yeah. you know, that night. Where there's the confidence of, you look at your goalie stats, you see their ability to make saves, which are kind of against the play. And does the team build confidence from that? Or is how does the kind of the whole psyche work? Yeah, I mean, I would say that's a true thing. Like, when you're... You know, skating down, back checking, and they, you know they're going to get a good grade A. There's nothing you can do about it. It's a good feeling when you don't think it's going to go on the net. You know, it's not a good feeling when you, uh, you know, when you're back checking, you can't get in. You're like, this is probably going to go in. <laughs> so I mean, just having that, like I said, that mindset of, oh, it's not going to go in, even if it maybe does. It's just a positive mindset sets you up for the next shift, next guy. How about structure and chemistry, too, where, again, it seems like you guys can rely on that, where maybe you get outshot for one period, but there's going to be a time where, again, you kind of pepper. Yeah, you, you pepper the goalie a little bit, and you're going to create opportunities, and, and you, more often than not, you guys end up scoring. So do you guys rely on the on the structure of the team? I think so, yeah. I mean, I think we have good structure. I think, you know, when we have four lines going, I think we're a really good team, like in the sense of wearing teams down, and you'll see towards the end of the period, once the third period comes around, teams – can't you know sustain that and keep playing with that uh, I think that's just something we have to keep you know doing you know real, like all four lines going and playing well it, it makes it hard on the other team because they don't have an answer and then eventually it's it's going to break before the trade line you guys were deep but obviously you lose Taylor Hall you also lose Nick Foligno but yeah. you bring in three guys what does that say that to, to the players that the organization again added at the trade deadline yeah I think it just means this is you know they're uh, they're in it to win it this year, and I think so are we. And uh, so it, it's a good thing. All right, Trent Frederick, right there. And of course, you don't want to make too much of a big deal about the Bruins' loss because they are so few and far between. And you're certainly expecting another nine or ten game winning streak on the horizon because that's the way the Bruins have trended this year. Looking ahead to, to schedule, though, it does get difficult here. You know, down the stretch as they attempt to chase history, not in terms of the opponents, but the frequency of games. Um, the Bruins are playing pretty much four games a week throughout the remainder of the regular season, and they have talked about giving some days to you know, Patrice Bergeron and some of the other Bruins stars here down the stretch of the season. So if the Bruins don't get the all-time points number or the all-time wins number, it's not necessarily going to be because they 
you know, lost straight up. It's going to be because they had bigger goals in mind, which is one of the reasons that I think they kind of, you know, temper their interest in those types of numbers during the regular season. Some of the press pass. I'm Chris Ryan.